Welcome to the Uncomfortable Truth Podcast, hosted by the rock star of consulting, Alan Weiss. Be prepared to have your beliefs challenged and your behaviors questioned. Welcome back to the Uncomfortable Truth. I'm going to talk about higher education today and what's really higher and maybe not so educational. Do you know that Harvard University has something like a 50 or $60 billion endowment? That's where the B is in boy, 50 or $60 billion. Brown University up here has a $5 billion or $6 billion endowment, and the rest are in between there somewhere. Columbia University in New York City, in Manhattan, the highest real estate prices around, has over 200 buildings it owns. And all of these universities, being private and nonprofit, do not pay taxes, or some of them pay partial taxes or they get special deals. And so we have an interesting phenomenon. You know, Brown University, which is named after the most heinous slave traders in the history of the Republic and won't change its name, though they advise everyone else to and won't talk about Columbus Day and call a Christmas tree a holiday tree. These people actually had a building built on what is tribal land, the very people they champion. And they had to go to court. The tribe had to take them to court to get Brown to reach a settlement on this land they were using that was really tribal land. That's the kind of hypocrisy we see. We're also looking, of course, at an average tuition in the United States, if you take everything into account, of something like $26,000 a year or over $100,000 over a four-year degree. Uh, However, in the more expensive colleges, the higher and highest, really, tuitions reach eighty to 90000 a year. Now, if you're a history major or an English major or you're a philosophy major, you're going to make about fifty or 60000 a year when you get out. That's the average according to statistics on the web. The average teacher in the United States is making around $60,000. And parenthetically, I'll tell you that the head of the teachers union, Randy Weingarten, makes 600000 plus a year, which is 10 times the salary of her average union constituent. In any case, what we have is a situation where you can figure out ROI. Do you want to go into debt for four or five hundred thousand dollars to make fifty thousand a year or sixty thousand a year, from which you have to pay for rent and perhaps a car and food and insurance and maybe a family? How do you do that? I mean, do you pay it off over fifty or sixty years? Or do you beg the government to forgive the debt, even though everyone before you had to pay the debt? This is untenable. Moreover, We're looking at a really perfect storm for universities. You know, the primary and secondary schools in the United States, in my observation and in my experience, having traveled all over the world, are inferior to much of the rest of the world. They're really run by the teachers' unions. They're not run for the clients and customers, who are the students and the parents. Uh, And they try all kinds of dipsy things, uh, new math and phonetics and everything else. But the fact of the matter is that we're not producing kids whose reading and math scores go up every year. We're not very good in preparing kids for what they call the STEM discipline, science, technology, and so forth. However, people come here from all over the world for higher education. Peter Drucker observed once that if we included what people pay to come here for college tuition from elsewhere from other countries, and we charge for the management expertise we exported to other countries, and that would be people like moi, management consultants who operate globally, uh, he said we'd have a far more positive balance of trade, be that as it may. Higher education is looking at this. First of all, 
there's a limit to the brick and mortar structures you can put up. There's a limit to the land. There's a limit to the expense. There's a limit to the amount of debt you can go into under any circumstances. And that means that to house and clothe and feed uh, and garage and, oh, by the way, educate students, how much of this stuff can you build? How big can a campus be? Where does all that tuition money go? What's the endowment used for? I mean, occasionally it's used for scholarships, but it's often used for research to try to maintain the status and prestige of the school. It's used to create new, modern, advanced facilities, state-of-the-art, so they can attract star professors to whom they pay high salaries and whom they help will recruit and entice more and more students who will pay higher and higher tuition. And that's the name of the vicious cycle they're in. But there's a limit to all of this because you can only build so many buildings and you can only invest so much money. Some students no longer feel safe on campus because of crime, sexual harassment, and political ideology. And speaking of that, we have fanatical higher education faculty who operate on some corrupt theology that says you have to adhere to what they believe, you can't listen to other views, and otherwise it's free speech to shout everyone down. And that's what we're looking at today. And if you add to that the fact that while remote learning has not worked in high school, didn't work during the pandemic, and most high school kids lost a year or two of educational growth and socialization because it was handled so poorly. It does work on the collegiate level. There are plenty of examples of universities operating almost exclusively by remote learning or a hybrid form thereof, or at least in some classes. And so when you look at staggering tuition, when you look at the lack of salaries that certain majors can attract when they graduate, and right now, if you read the New York Times every week or the Wall Street Journal, you find major universities shutting down their programs in liberal arts, shutting down majors in philosophy and history or linguistics and so on, art. And what happens is that they're in a doom loop and the perfect storm is arriving. It used to be four years and you're out of undergraduate school. Now kids hang around for five and six years. It's because of the sloth of the system, but it's also because it's another two years of tuition from these kids, and it's another opportunity to beg the parents for donations for another couple of years. And alumni societies grow, and then you tap into them. But this has to end. People have to be able to do an ROI, a return on investment, for what they're putting into what university in terms of what they're going to get out of it. Moreover, universities have to face the fact that people can learn remotely. Maybe they show up on Zoom to do, I don't know, their PhD oral defense, or maybe they participate in some classes on Zoom. But whatever it is, it could be done better than it's being done now with far less expense. And so we have this paradox approaching. Schools trying to raise more and more money with less and less money that's going to be available. And I think you'll find that a dramatic change will take place. You know, it's a, it's a myth that if you place a frog in boiling water, the frog doesn't realize it and will die. Frogs realize it when the water gets warmer. That's an urban myth, and they jump out. The question here is, will the universities realize it? Will they keep following this flawed pattern of extorting more and more money 
and not paying taxes and buying land and operating really in opposition to the very beliefs which they propound, which is taking care of the needy, taking care of people who have been discriminated against, and taking care of all of society and fostering free speech, what is that going to come to? And I think you'll find that before they know it, and before we know it, something radical is going to happen in how people learn and what organizations seek. You know, right now we have uh, law firms asking who signed petitions in some of these schools condemning Israel for the butchery of the Hamas attack because the law firms don't want to hire them. Some other firms are doing the same thing. But the larger trend here, and that's just one indication, is that we are in a society now looking for competence, not credentials. Some airlines have said that there's no longer a need for pilots to have a college degree. There's a need for them to be superb pilots, which doesn't require a college degree. And I have to admit, I have over 4 million air miles, and I'd rather have a pilot up front who can land me in a terrible storm than step off the plane and discuss Kant's categorical imperative with me. We're going to see more of that. Now, you know, you'll need a degree to be an attorney or to be a doctor. Those t- that stuff will always be there. But do you really need a degree to be a sales manager? Do you really need a degree to be an insurance underwriter? Do you always need a degree, for that matter, to teach certain courses in school? I teach far better than most of the professors who were trained to be professors in schools. So, my message today is simply this. No one predicted the internet. But it's far easier to predict that higher education is going to have to change because it's too damn expensive and it's just not providing the results anymore that we thought it would. Alan Weiss, The Uncomfortable Truth. You've been listening to The Uncomfortable Truth with Alan Weiss. For free access to Alan's newsletters, audio and video resources, and for information about his global events and coaching communities, please visit alanweiss.com. Thanks for listening. Keep the faith.